Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. This is where bacterial contamination is far more common than even your bathroom. Great example, those kitchen rags, towels, and sponges are some of the most notorious offenders in your kitchen. You know that towel that's been sitting there all week and nah, that's just got nasty stuff growing on it. Maybe it got a little bit of chicken juice splashed on it, whatever. Guess what? That is one of the nastiest things. And when was the last time you cleaned that sponge? Some people I know run it through their dishwasher to sanitize it, but really watching that is one of the dirtiest places around. So make sure you're taking those. I like to run the kitchen towels through a uh, sanitizing rinse in the washer. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining us today. We have a lot of things to talk about today. Well, today, since we are cruising through into summertime, and it's going to be a hot summer, I think, anywhere here in the United States, I wanted to share about some of my tips and tricks on keeping your house cool. Now, many people live in a climate where it's not that big a deal, or you've got a great HVAC system that keeps your house as cold as you want it. And hats off to you for having that. That is not what most people are dealing with out there. You know, many people have an AC system that will get it close, but it's not perfect. And there's plenty of people that don't have one and dream of having one someday and want to try every little thing they can. First, we jump into that. Head to uh, For more information around Around the House, you can head over to aroundthehouseonline.com. Make sure you follow us on social media on Facebook, which is Around the House Show. And while you're over on Facebook, if you're a purveyor of that, make sure you hit us up over there at Around the House Nation. That is our closed group where people share up projects and things like that. And uh, that is where we have some fun with all the new little things going on over there. Well, let's get into some of the obvious stuff first that you want to do around your house to keep it cool. You know, keep those curtains closed, shutters, blinds. When you're not at home, you basically do it, do what you can do to keep those sun rays from coming in. You know, if you've got opaque curtains that will, uh, you know, block the sun without trapping in heat, that's a good one too. You know, those are all things. If you've got low E windows, which are newer windows that are required in many areas, that does help filter out that heat radiation that comes through, and that will help you. Another tip that I've got as well, this is a, a good one for, you know, sleeping at night, making sure, we do this at my house, is swap out the bed sheets. Make sure you're using a lighter fabric that breathe, like cotton, linen, those kind of things. And if you've got the heavy flannel or those kind of things, cruise it out, put it away. That'll be great in the winter time. So here's another one here too, and this is one that you've got to be careful with. I talked about it on the TV show a little bit, 
But for instance, uh, my house is in the shade all the time, so I don't get direct sun. But if you've got a white house and you turn around and paint it black, guess what? That dark color loves to suck up the heat and it will make for a hotter house. So that will give you a little bit of a different heat load than that. So watching those colors on the roof surfaces in the house, if you're in any direct sun, can be a big one. So that's another one there that uh, anything you can do to reflect heat and keep it away is good. Now, if you've got central air, here is something that I've used. I put in a brand new HVAC system in a couple years ago. It works awesome. But, you know, you only have 30 or so degrees where that thing works, you know, flawlessly. And when it gets so hot, it can overheat the entire system where it won't keep up. You know, there's a part where... You know, it's just not going to work when it's 117, 120 degrees outside, like we had that one time. So here was my secret. This is my little secret for your outside condenser. Now, I want a big caveat here. First off, asterisk, whatever you want to call it, do not, if you have hard, untreated water at your house, do this to your outside unit. If you have really clean water with no mineral content that's going to create buildup, then this will work. But what I've done is I took one of those, I went down to Lowe's and bought one of their misters that goes on the end of a hose, and I put that near my HVAC unit. Here's the thing. Those misters work really well to keep you cool because that misted water transfers heat energy better than the air does. So that mist over the coils made it so it worked more efficiently. Now, if you have hard water or minerals or things like that, make sure that, um, you know, you're not doing that because you'll build up minerals on it and make it less efficient. So you don't want to do that. When in doubt, contact your HVAC professional. But these units are meant to be outside. So if you've got a little water going, it's not going to hurt it a few times a year. I wouldn't do it every day. But it's one of those things, if you want to get it into, you know, hypercharge for a day or two, Many times you'll be fine doing it that way. On my unit, I could do it. Not a problem. Most units you can, but again, when in doubt, contact your HVAC professional before you do it. But that was a great little trick. And make sure also, guys, that you've got that well-maintained. So make sure you have somebody coming out each year and taking a look at that. That's a big one. So another trick, too, is if you've got that heat wave coming up, put in a fresh air filter. You want the most airflow you can get. And if you've got one of those like MERV 13, really heavy duty air filters, maybe going to a lighter air filter for a couple days for a heat wave might move air a little bit more. So take a look at your system. If you've got an older system, putting in a lighter duty air filter for a couple days and then swapping back in your heavy duty one could be better off. And so that's another one. Any one of those things can really help. Now, here's another big one, too, that I wanted to talk about because this is another great tip. Your body feels humidity at the same as it does temperature. This is why when you walk into a home, you go, wow, it's 70 degrees. It is cool in here. That is because it is 70 degrees and probably a low dew point. If you walk into a house and it's 70 and high humidity, you don't get that same feeling. You go, wow, it's warm in here. 
your body's not really feeling the warmth. It's feeling the humidity and reading it that way. So you want to make sure you've always got low humidity in the house. Not too low, but under 60%. If you've got 60%, that's mold. So when in doubt, if you're in a humid area, a dehumidifier will save you money as well because your AC unit won't work as hard. So that's another good one as well. Make sure you're controlling humidity. I would like to see it in the summertime under 50%. That's going to work out pretty well and do that. Another trick too is if you've got an older home and you've got incandescent or those ugly compact fluorescent, the curly Q bulbs, swap those things out to LEDs. They will put and make a cooler light source. Anything you can do to cool that light source, so get rid of the uh, compact fluorescent because those put out heat or incandescent bulbs, it will help you out. Now, here's an easy one too before we go to break. You want to make sure you've got the ceiling fan going the right direction. You want it to run counterclockwise at high speed. So make sure you're going the right way. And then be a little, you know, particular when you pick out a new ceiling fan. Those new Energy Star rated fans are 10 to 20% or more more efficient than the standard fans, which means it's using less energy, less heat, and it will lower your energy bills as well. So make sure that you've got the, the right fan in there. And those Energy Star ones do make a difference. So that does help a lot. So uh, anything you can do like that to um, do that. And, of course, with that humidity, I forgot to mention this, make sure that you're using the bathroom and kitchen exhaust fans like you should be. Not too long, so you don't want to be drawing in hot air from the outside. But you do want to get that humidity and bad air outside. So don't stop using them. But if you do use them a lot and use them too much, you're now grabbing that air from outside and dragging it in. And if it's during the heat of the day, might not be the best time to do that. All right, more tips to keep you cool just as soon as Around the House returns. And Satchel from Steel Panther, and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G. Yeah. We love Eric G, and you should too. Now, if you want to find out more about my videos that I've been doing out there as part of my Around the House Northwest, doesn't matter where you are, head over to YouTube, look at Fox 12 Oregon, and then find the Around the House playlist tab, and you'll see our uh, about 60 videos we've got up there of home improvement projects, new products. We've got great interviews. It's all packed in there all at once, all in one spot. Just head over to Fox 12 Oregon at the uh, YouTube, and then just look for the Around the House playlist. We'll be talking about some of my tips to keep you cool during the summer. And let's get into the bedroom for a minute, because this is a big one, because everybody wants to sleep well, right? Part of it is if you've got a hot house, it's really hard. So there's some tips to do. If you're out mattress shopping, one of the easiest ones is look for one of the cooling mattresses. Here's what happens when you sleep on a mattress, and this is where it's key. If that body temperature, if your body temperature changes and 
the mattress stays at a warmer temperature and doesn't cool as your body, it seems hot. And that's what a lot of the mattresses do. So they have these cooling ones, which end up feeling cool to the touch. So it tricks your body. It thinks, well, it changes quicker. So you, when your body cools off, it's cooling faster. So it always feels cool. That will help a ton on trying to get sleep. So that combined with some really good light sheets could be a key right there. Now, one trick that I've done, and this was just an old school way of doing it. Back in the day when I didn't have AC and I lived in a hot area, I would take my blanket, I would take my sheets, I would throw them in the freezer or fridge for a bit before bed and cool them off. And uh, that would help a little bit. I even took ice packs and tucked them to bed. So it's not really the best, you know, but sometimes that works. And it's not going to save you much energy, but hey, it does help. And the other thing, too, is taking a nice cool shower before you go to bed. Sometimes getting that extra stickiness off your body will help. Now, one of the tricks that I do when I don't have AC is really trying to use the temperature outside. Sometimes in certain areas, depending on the heat, it can get 65 degrees, 60 degrees at night. Open up the basement windows, open up the top ones, get some convection flow, turn on the bath fans, turn on the kitchen fan, do anything you can do to drag that cold air in. And as soon as you got it equaled out to the temperature before it heats up, then you can go ahead and close it back up again. And that will help you do that. So that does help. And that does help you save energy because you're putting that hot air back outside. So using that convection power of your house of getting the hot air out and the cool air in at the bottom will help. So that's something to do that can save you some money too. Cause that really, except for maybe running the bath fan is free and that's a key. You know, they say to set the thermostat five or more degrees higher when you're away from home, but here's the problem. This works great if I'm on vacation for a week, but really I want to have my house try to get ahead of itself earlier in the day. So they say to set your thermostat five or more degrees higher, you know, when you're gone, I'll be honest, I get mine in the morning. I try to get that thing when it's cool outside and there's less heat load. I try to get the house cool and see how well the house can be kept cool so I'm a little bit farther ahead. If my AC is not keeping up, I'm trying to get that as cold as I can in the morning. And then later in the day when it's trying to keep up, it will do a better job of getting me starter five or so degrees cooler in the morning. That could end up being five or 10 degrees, you know, better at night. So starting early is big. And guess what? Anytime you run an AC like that, especially with the window ones or that, guess what? They are inefficient. Save up with all the new heat pump stuff out there. Now is the time if you're looking to take a look at those rebates and see if a mini split heat pump or something like that can help you out if you're in a home or if you're in an apartment. That's the tough part. Sometimes that can be a real problem. And so some of these are really cool. Now, some of the ones I've seen out there, there have been a lot of different ice box fan kind of swamp cooler type solutions out there. Yeah, they kind of work. They'll drop a few degrees. But the problem is you can cause a bigger problem with humidity because you're adding all that humidity to the house. That humidity can cause mold. And if you do have an air conditioner, it can actually push that farther to ice it up or something like that. So keeping the humidity lower is key. 
And doing one of those ice tricks with the fan and stuff, if you have AC, that can be more headache because that water has to get shed and come out of someplace. And so you're kind of fighting yourself going back and forth. And then really the last one that I have on this one today is going to be to do as much cooking as you can outside. That oven in your kitchen, that cooktop is not your friend as far as heat. That is warming up that room 5 to 10 degrees easily, and now you're fighting that. You're paying to heat, and you're paying to cool. When in doubt, get that outdoor kitchen going. I don't care if you got a barbecue and you're going to boil water out there. You might be better off. If you, could, if you can get that cooking done earlier in the day, you're going to be better off because that way you have a chance to recover. That evening cook, when you get home, turn the oven on, throw in that uh, that dinner, the lasagna, the pizza, the whatever you're going to do, you are fighting it and giving all that heat load at the same time. So that is something to do. Think about where you're pulling that heat, when you're putting it into the house, and you might be uh, surprised if you can move that cooking to a different part of the day or outside, you will be much more comfortable. One last little tip before we wrap up this subject, make sure you're watching those parents, elderly, maybe it's aunt and uncle, grandparents, whoever in your life, if they're over the age of 70, make sure that you're watching in the 70s young, don't get me wrong, but if you're over 70, watch to make sure that they're living in a cool environment because the last thing you want to do is lose a loved one to heat stroke. So make sure that you're watching them and keeping an eye and making sure that things are doing well. All right, well, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's talk about some of the grossest place in your house with the most bacteria and the dirtiest stuff that you're probably not even thinking about. And I found a study from the National Science Foundation in their germ study, which is fascinating. Which room, first off, is the nastiest place out there? What is it? It's the kitchen. That is your germist place in the house. This is where bacterial contamination is far more common than even your bathroom. Great example, those kitchen rags, towels, and sponges are some of the most notorious offenders in your kitchen. You know that towel that's been sitting there all week and nah, that's just got nasty stuff growing on it. Maybe it got a little bit of chicken juice splashed on it, whatever. Guess what? That is one of the nastiest things. And when was the last time you cleaned that sponge? Some people I know run it through their dishwasher to sanitize it. But really, watching that is one of the dirtiest places around. So make sure you're taking those. I like to run the kitchen towels through a uh, sanitizing rinse in the washer because that really ends up making it so it's nice. And that way, that steam clean in the washing machine gets them clean for next time. Then, of course, that dryer running through the high heat sure keeps them clean as well. But washing those more frequently, if that towel's been sitting there for a week in the kitchen, I bet that thing is nasty. And that means you could be spreading contamination across the entire kitchen. All right, we come back. We got so much more about some of the dirtiest places in your home just as soon as Around the House returns. Hey, this is Ron Keel, the Metal Cowboy from Keel, the Ron Keel Band and Steeler. We are rocking Around the House with Eric G. Welcome back to the Around the House show. We've been talking here today about the 
Well, first segment we talked, first couple segments we talked about how to keep your house cool if you don't have AC. Now we're talking about the dirtiest places in your home that you're not aware of. What is the title of the germiest places? What's got the most bacteria hanging around in your party? Let's talk about that. Before we went to break, we were talking about kitchen rags, towels, and sponges. That's a brutal one. The next one coming up is the sink drain, sink, and countertops. Those are actually more frequently contaminated than even your bathroom. How gross is that? When was the last time you kept those things sanitized? And then the next one down the list is cutting boards, coffee filters, dishwasher, and fridge seals. When was the last time you wiped down the dishwasher seal that had all that food and drippings on it? It's all nasty down there. Those are also the top locations for contamination in your home. You know, if you're seeing a trend here, areas that are frequently damp, in contact with hands and food are the most likely place to hide that bacteria. You should clean those areas much more often. Now, if you're getting to the bathroom, that is not, you know, that is not off the hook here, shall we say. That is one of those that when you look at it, ooh, buddy, up to a third of toothbrush holders may harbor bacteria. Bathroom faucet handles are also a high place of it. Think about it. Use the bathroom. You touch the faucet to turn it on to wash your hands. Then you touch that same dirty faucet handle after you've washed your hands. Yeah, that faucet's a problem. When's the last time you cleaned that? One study recently showed that even soap dispensers can be a perfect environment because you're hitting them with that dirty hands before you wash them. So some viruses, uh, including who, uh, the human papillomavirus and human herpes viruses, have also been identified on bathroom surfaces. So be careful. Other high-contact surfaces. You know, here's the thing. While fewer bacteria colonize dry, solid surfaces, areas in the home that have contact with people are commonly contaminated. So these are things, even bedding, counters, and lights. Now, we all know that our cell phone and other gadgets that we're touching all day long are the most contacted item we own, right? Maybe the earbuds, maybe it's that cell phone, cell phone case. So there's dozens of studies out there that show cell phones are frequently covered in bacteria. Same with your TV remotes, you know, all of those kind of things, including light switches. Don't forget. But now, no, you know, all germs are not the same, and some are actually more healthy than others. Here's the thing. Let me give you some of your best practices here, which I'm tired of talking about this So because we hit about it with COVID, and I'm still sick and tired of hearing about it, but I'm not going to get into the frequent hand-washing stuff. We've heard that way too much, but those rules do apply. But as far as cleaning those high-contact surfaces, like the toilet, countertops, sinks in the bathroom and kitchen. You know, if you do that and then change the towels and sponges and clean them every three days is a really effective, you know, step to keeping that clean. So any place where moisture collects, make sure you disinfect it and keep it clean. And then... Make sure you watch those mobile devices. If Caroline was in here right now, my friend, she'd be sitting here saying use the UV cleaner on that because that is one of her favorite things. But use a lint-free cloth and, you know, make sure you disinfect it 
if you don't have one of those. And that will be a good start to really keeping it clean. Now, there are other rooms and stuff in there as well that you need to be careful. Think of the doorknobs in your house. And then one of the worst places, your floor. If you walk around your house with shoes on, think about this. You're walking around with shoes on. You've walked through the areas where the dog took the pee or wherever. Guess what? That is going to be adding that to probably one of the germiest places around. So here's another one on another study that I saw, which was interesting. Um, When he goes around, um, what are in the NSF International Top 10? So scientists swabbed 30 surfaces in 22 homes, 660 tests in all to come up with gauges of yeast, mold, coliform bacteria, you know, which is like salmonella, E. coli, stuff like that. Staph germs like those can create dangerous MRSA infections. And so here's where you're at. You know, the cutting boards were key. Stove knobs, 27% harbored mold and yeasts. So make sure you're cleaning that. 32% of kitchen countertops harbored coliform bacteria, which is, wow, pet toys. 33% of pet toys were found to harbor potentially dangerous staph bacteria. Yeast and mold infested 55% of pet toys. In 14% also harbored coliform bacteria. And now you want to let the dog lick your face? I know, gross, huh? So make sure you hit those uh, hard toys with soap and water. And soft toys, just chuck them in the wash machine. Put it on a gentle cycle. Let it go. And then faucet handles, we know. Coffee makers can be rough. So just again... Uh, A key to that good cleaning technique is to add four cups of vinegar into the reservoir, let it set for 30 minutes, and brew the vinegar. Then run two or three, maybe four cycles of fresh water through until the smell is gone. It's a good way to clean that. When was the last time you cleaned your pet bowl? Yeah, that's a good one. And then, um, you know, the number one, of course, we talked about this, but the germiest is that dish sponges and rags. NSF Foundation found out that 70 cent 77% harbored coliform bacteria, and another 86% contained yeast and mold. 18% contained staph bacteria. So there's a key right there. So just keep those things clean, and you'll be much better off. Now, there are things out there, like in my house, I have one of those air scrubbers that clean the air and the surfaces around. And it makes me a little nervous because it does kick off hydrogen peroxide particles. And I'm not sure if I want to be breathing that. So uh, even though I installed that a few years ago, it has been a concern of mine. So what I have done is when I'm having friends come over, like we had a house full last weekend for Mother's Day. Before they come over, I plug it in. I make sure that it sanitized the house and I let that go for 24 hours. And then I unplug the unit until next time. And then every couple of weeks, I'll plug it in for 24 hours to, to do its desanitizing in the house, and then I let it go again. And so I'm just kind of using it as an air scrubber, but I'm not keeping it 24-7, especially times like this when I really have the AC running in the summertime. And so that's one of the, one of the keys right there. So just make sure you got that. Now, another tip that I want to say, do not go taking your toilet and pour bleach down it. Do not use bleach on any, pure bleach on any hard surfaces like that because toilets, bathtubs, sinks, you will etch them. 
So do not, do not do that because that will make it harder to clean next time. And then you're going to be in deep, deep trouble because you've ruined the surface. You've made it rougher. You've etched it, which means dirt loves to get in there. And that's going to be tough. All right, we come back. I'm going to give you some of the tips inside your home. Now that we're talking about this stuff here, I'm going to talk about some tips to making sure your appliances are running in tip-top shape. What are you doing wrong? What are you doing right? Are you maintaining them? Are they working great? We're going to go through some appliance maintenance tips when we come back. And if you want to hear more information about Around the House, head over to aroundthehouseonline.com. If you've got a question or a concern or you just want to say, hey, head over to there and fill out the contact us, say hello, or hit me up on any of the social media platforms. I am the one that responds back on those. Love to hear what you have to say. And if you've got a topic you'd love to hear me talk about. Make sure you bring it up over there as well. I'd love to put it in a future episode of the show. Around the house, we'll be right back after these important messages. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you on the flip side. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Well, in this last segment, I wanted to give you a bunch of tips on making sure your appliances are running correctly. And this is one of those things that, uh, well, it has been a tough one out there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this one here first, your dishwasher, to make sure that you're operating it correctly. And we're going to get you rid of some of the myths out there that are wrong, that are completely wrong. Now, that we talked about it in a, in a previous midweek special podcast, but on the radio, you guys didn't hear this, and I just want to touch on it. But new dishwashers right now are working better than a 10- or 20-year-old dishwasher. They just are. They're quieter. They clean just as well. But you have to follow the same rules of the soaps and detergents that you're using. So first off... If you've got a decent dishwasher, you get what you pay for. If you went and bought a three or $400 dishwasher, it's not going to work well. I'm sorry, it's not. And so you're always going to have issues. Once you get above the $500 range, it used to be $300, but now with inflation, it's $500. You start to get into decent dishwashers that will clean things. And it's not a fault of the government. It's not a fault of anything else. That's just what it takes to buy something decent. If you buy something cheap, it just doesn't work well. I don't care what it goes in your house. It's pretty much the same rule. Now, here's the key with this, and this is where I kind of like what this is. If you scrape your dishes, if you put the dishes in the dishwasher, run them through the proper cycle, and have a good quality detergent, like one of the main brands, you know, and run it through the cycle, that dishwasher, if it's working correctly, will clean the dishes. One of the biggest mistakes you can make with new dishwashers is to clean the dishes and pre-rinse them before you put it in there. That soap has to be activated by food particles. So make sure you're not pre-rinsing dishes before you put them in there. 
That is a problem. Your dishes will be less clean when they come out when you do that. If you have to wash another dish because maybe you didn't get one that had some baked on stuff, that's fine. But you're better off doing that on one or two dishes and rewashing those on the next load than you are to pre-rinse because pre-rinsing makes the rest of the dishes more dirty on the flip side. So that's a key right there. If you have hard water in your home and you are not treating it, minerals, things like that, you are going to have dirtier dishes and you'll reduce the lifespan of your dishwasher, your washing machine, your refrigerator if it has an ice and water dispenser, and your hot water heater, and every faucet, shower valve, and any valve in your house that controls water, you are reducing the lifespan of that and the plumbing. So I want to make sure one of the keys to good appliance care is making sure that you're giving those appliances good conditioned water. And there's no sense to be running around and having a house that has bad water or high mineral content water ruining things. If you do have a high content mineral, here's some of the things that I want to see you doing. First off, of course, I want you to get a water test and then treat it. But if you haven't been able to do that or can't afford to do that, here's some of my tips. First off, turn off the gas or or power to your water heater. And I want you to drain that thing every six months to a year. Drain it completely. Now, if it has not been done and that that water heater is a 10-year-old water heater, you could be opening a can of worms there. So I will say if it's over 10 years old, and you can usually look on it and see, if it's over 10 years old, I would recommend not doing this. But if it's a newer water heater, flush it every year, every six months if you have really hard well water. Get that all cleaned out. That will make that more efficient, and it will make it cleaner to run. Because I have had, I've been on a well that had hard water before. I had to do my 40-gallon water heater every six months because if I waited two years, it was 90% full of sediment and I had no hot water. So you want to keep that stuff flushed out. Now, the other one is grab your oven temperature, you know, know, the oven thermometer, like uh, something you'd use out maybe barbecuing or an oven thermometer you can put inside the oven that's rated for it. Turn it on and set it to bake for 425 and see if your oven actually gets to 425 or higher. You can fine-tune almost every oven out there. The only one that I know that has a problem doing it without having to call service, I think, is Bertazzoni, but just about everybody else out there, you can fine-tune your oven with a thermometer. But here's the thing. If you do that, be prepared. You will have to relearn those recipes because you'll go, oh, I usually bake it at uh, not two hours. I bake it for two and a half because it needs it. You might be closer to two again. So when you change it, remember that you're going to be changing all of those and then Remember, before the major holiday, before you have a bunch of people over, don't go hitting the self-clean uh, you know, function on the range with an oven or a range like that. Because first off, that is the highest risk thing you can do. If that range is on its last leg, self-clean can tear that thing up. All it takes is for wiring to not be covered right or anything else, and you can burn the range up on the inside pretty easily. So don't do that. And don't do it before you have guests coming over because maybe that next time you go to bake something, you'll notice a little charcoal taste. Even though you wiped it out after the self-cleaning function, after it was cool, you could still have a little taste of that. So you're better off, you know, baking some other stuff in between there before you have company and making sure that's good.
Now, one of my little things for keeping the garbage disposal clean is I will run a mixture of ice and lemon or orange down there, even lime. I like the citrus. The acid kills things. And then the ice really cleans it up. But one of the things that's nice with a garbage disposal, next time you do it, make sure you get one that has antimicrobial technology on the inside because that will keep it from smelling bad. So those are my tips. To You can also go out and buy little lemon capsules that have lemon oil in them to run through there as well. But uh, I just use... You know, the uh, natural peels that I have around the house. Maybe I'm having an orange or cocktail hour or something like that. I'm using those in there to really clean that up and get it dialed in. So that's a good one right there. Now, washing machines. If you have a front load washing machine, make sure you clean that filter out. There is a filter that's right in front of the drain. And if you go through, most have it. That gets filled up with bobby pins, screws, nails, screwdriver bits. Trust me, I've done this. Anything that was in your pocket will get caught up in that if it made it through the the uh, the the filter on the inside of the drum. That will keep to protect the pump. But what happens is if you know that you're like, wow, I just ran a load of towels and it's just way wetter than it normally is, check that filter first. That filter, if you haven't changed it in a year, get out a pan, follow the directions, empty it, and it's going to give you a better performing one you know, thing in there as well. Refrigerators and freezers, make sure you get underneath it and behind it and vacuum out all the coils. Do not bounce around and hit the coils because you can break them or cause a leak. So just make sure you get down in there close, but don't get all in them. And uh, if you have to use compressed air, that will also work on blowing them out. Just make sure you have the vacuum going to care of that so you don't get it all over the house. Doing that and making sure it's wiped down is key. And then uh, that's really one of the things to do. Change the water filters. I know the water, it seems that refrigerator companies want you to change that filter way more times than you need to. And I'm a a guilty conscience on that one too. But there are air filters on some of the new LGs and stuff. Make sure you're changing those. Those air filters are actually doing a a good job of of, uh, taking odors out of things and keeping it so, you know, your, um, your bean dip doesn't end up in your ice cubes later, if you know what I mean. So those are all keys right there. And then your dryer, make sure that you're cleaning out that dryer lint out of the tube every year. Go in there, clean that out, uh, making sure that you don't have one of the white. Look behind your dryer, two things. Look, make sure you don't have the white vinyl ducting back there. If you do, change it out to a metal one and the corrugated. And then if you have the dryer hoses back there that are rubber and not braided, change those out to a braided. That is one of the most common failures in a house are those hoses last about five years and then they burst and then you have now have a major insurance claim because you basically took your garden hose and turned it on in the house. And why does it always happen when you're gone? It seems to. And I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage from that. So those are some of my keys there. You know, range hoods, keep them cleaned down. Make sure you, when's the last time you cleaned out those vents there? And of course, just make sure the microwave is working well and cleaned out and and all the seals on everything are nice and clean and good to go. All right, everybody, have a great rest of the weekend. Enjoy it. Man, we are cruising up on Memorial Day weekend. We're going to have some great show coming up next week as well. If you're listening on the radio, catch us on the podcast. Just look for Around the House Show. Thanks, everybody. I do appreciate you tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Around the House.
discovered Anyway, I'll be on the mean Life is a love song, let's be lovers We're all over the radio Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.